0: Welcome back to the International Football Podcast, the only podcast from the global game that you can trust to bring you unbiased analysis, free from the filter of national fervor. In today's podcast, we count down to the finale, the denouement of the month-long drama that has been the 2018 FIFA World Cup. We seek to uncover who will prevail. Will it be the billionaires of France, or the little country that could, Croatia?
1: So, tell. Here we are for another episode of the International Football Podcast. Well, finally at the final, and it's the last two teams: France versus Croatia. Tell, what's your take on this? Well, we've had a couple of
0: really interesting semi-finals. France, Belgium was the first one, contrasting styles of football. Obviously, France going into it favourites. Belgium, I think were probably the were the underdogs, but. They seem to have a lot of love from people going into it because they play a more attacking style of football than France. Yeah, and rightly so. Yeah, Martinez has been making a few unconventional changes to his team. Mm. So in the, Well, I think it all started in the game against Japan when he brought on Fellaini and Chadley, who barely played a game all season for West Brom. He was yep. injured for most of the season. He was season. injured for yeah. most of the season. And then yeah. he had a
1: falling out with the manager because he wanted to leave. After that, he didn't get a game.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fellaini also didn't play a lot for Man United. But he, he
1: does have a role there under Mourinho. I'm not the biggest fan of Fellaini. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, very, he's a very eccentric player. He scored in that game, but... Gee, I thought he was a bit of a liability against Brazil and against France. But... Well, they both scored in that game,
0: right? Yeah. And so that was the thing. Like, they both came on, came off the bench uh, for Belgium against Japan, and then scored to, you know, Chadley getting that goal, the last kick of the game to, to send Belgium through. And so then he he started them both in the next two games against Brazil and then against against France. I do think that I'm not I'm not here to criticise. Martinez, he's done a fantastic job with the Belgian team, I think. I was worried at the start of the World Cup about how he would maintain defensive discipline in that team, like he's famous for his attacking prowess and maybe being a little bit naive defensively. But I think he did show everybody, again, that... He's actually, he's been
1: unfairly maligned throughout his career, I would say. Mainly by the English media. I mean, particularly Everton fans, they, yeah. they, they pretty much had him sacked. And yeah. I, as an Everton fan, I thought that was a bit unfair to him. Yeah. Because he had, had us playing the best ever football we've ever played, as I yeah. mentioned before. Yeah. But going into the semi-final, he was, as you were saying, he was still playing Fellaini. Yes, so and Chadley. And, and what Chadley. did you think? Did you think they well were a bit of a liability?
0: So yeah, so he, he um he made a few changes. So he also had Thomas Mounier, the fullback, was suspended for the semi. Right? And so he, he, had, uh, he had had a really good tournament. He did, yeah. And so he had to make he had to make yet another change and so like I was wondering, well what's he gonna do this time? And again he came up with uh, you know an out there solution to the problem. Yeah. He he brought in Dembele, not into the his usual central midfield role, but more as a counter to Kylian Mbappe. So he's sort of mm. playing as a left wing-back, in a way, mm. but with a role to keep Mbappe quiet between him and Vertonghen. And he also left. put De Bruyne out to the wings. Put De Bruyne out to the wings. He had Lukaku back in the centre, and he had Chadley playing the equivalent role to Dembele on the right. Mm. So... He, <laughs> But uh, Fellaini in, in the centre of midfield, in that m- more attacking role. Mm. Look, at, at the end of the day, you know, it's a set of strange moves, I thought. Dembele did do well enough on Mbappe. He made some vital interceptions. There was one in particular, I think it was probably going to be Giroud's only shot on goal in the on target in the entire competition. That he managed to get a block in on, a fantastic block, you know, a few metres out from the goal. That was a brilliant tackle, I, I thought, yeah. Yeah. That that was worth him being on the pitch for the entire 90 minutes, wasn't mm. it? I mean, but it still left Giroud without a shot on target for the tournament. Mm. Belgium um, dominated possession in this game. Mm. But that doesn't really tell the story, does it? I don't think so. So I think France are playing this controlling defensive game. They play on the counter-attack. They have, obviously in Mbappe, they have a fantastic weapon to
1: unleash that. Like, the guy is, mm. is outrageously good. So he's had moments. Uh, there's been a lot of people calling for him to have the golden ball. I, I don't think he's really dominated whole no. games, but he has had moments where he's shown that he's got incredible talent. Yes. He's also had moments where he's shown the dark side of the, the game. The dark side of the game, and especially at the end of that game, right? Yeah, so against Uruguay, against Uruguay. Yeah. He, he was diving in that game. Ah, oh, yeah, it was really annoying me because yeah. I was going for Belgium and he kept wasting time. And the referee didn't add on the yeah. time that he wasted, which really yeah, annoyed me. And, so Belgium didn't really get an opportunity to get at France and mm, yeah, mm. these negative tactics. He's shown moments. He's shown how much talent he's what got. Do you, what do you think of the of the French
0: team? Like, uh, I think I, I agree with the prevailing sentiment that they seem to they
1: have an awful lot of attacking talent that's going to waste. I, how, how do you see that? I... Basically see this team as very similar to Manchester United under Jose Mourinho. So mm-hmm. they they have all this incredible talent, but they don't play nice football. Uh, they don't play particularly attacking style of football. They mm. just they're counter attacking, they're reactive. They also there's a lot of gamesmanship, as we said, there's the diving, there's the time wasting. And for me, this final really is good versus evil. Um, yeah. good being Croatia and evil yeah. being France. Yeah,
0: yeah in, in the football sense, I mean, I think uh, one, <coughs> one team you can definitely accuse of being more anti-football. And, uh, you know, like, along with the rest of the football world, I'm just shaking my head at why Deschamps is doing this. Having said that, his primary job is obviously to win the World Cup. And, you know, I guess if he does that, then people will remember that. Will they remember this? Mm. But they, they won't remember this France team for like in the same way that you know we remember some of the great attacking teams of the past and they they no. could like they really could I mean and, they have an amazing array of talent and in players like Kanté I mean I think Kanté has actually Kanté and Griezmann for me have actually been the two best the most consistent really? French players
1: well, I mean Mbappé has
0: been has been brilliant mm. but in isolated parts I don't think like you said he hasn't dominated games but Griezmann I think has controlled the the French forward line and Kante has done what Kante does. He's done the work of two men yep. and kept France's
1: defence completely safe. Barcelona apparently interested in securing his services. Kante. I think he'd be brilliant for them. He'd be brilliant anywhere. I mean, <coughs> he is he is such a great player. I, I think Pavar has been a revelation in this tournament as well. I think he's mm. been really good at right-back. Yeah, but a little less said about the left-back there. The better i think yeah we're not fans of luca hernandez as a yes. uh, you know a lot of simulation involved in his game a number of the french players have this display the dark arts like mm. many of the south american teams um, another one i can think of is Untiti. he's one of those guys i think it was earlier in the tournament mm. where he was pretending to get struck in the face when no one had clearly come, not okay. come near his
0: face. Okay, I uh, so, haven't haven't picked up on it with Omtiti. Uh, I'll keep an eye out for it in the final. Mm. I was going to point out one thing uh, that I noticed. You have this quite interesting uh, axis between Real Madrid and Barcelona in the final. So you have Omtiti and Varane at central defence. I think he's been brilliant, by the way, for Varane. Varane. That's what yeah. I wanted to say yeah. about him. Um, he, he has been outstanding. Mm. Um, yeah. So you have this Barcelona central defence for France and you have Barcelona-Real Madrid central defence and then you have Barcelona-Real Madrid midfield for Croatia who will be coming up against them and mm. Luka Modric and, and Rakitic. I did see a lovely quote from Rakitic actually. He's always saying to Modric that he is more kool than he is. kool you know, the Barcelona fans call themselves Kool-Aid. So Modric grew up loving Barcelona and right. always wanted to play there. I was as a Tottenham fan he when he was at Tottenham when I knew he was leaving I was disappointed that he was going to Real. Real I really hoped that he'd end up at Barcelona I thought he he was absolutely
1: the natural, yeah. natural successor there to have he. he's definitely more of a Barcelona type person yes. isn't he he's yeah. he's got that good elvish quality yeah so Rakitic says
0: when they play against each other in in La liga he when he gives them a short at the end of the game he always says and they, you know now you have a that's short from your favourite team, but I mean, I I, I, just, I just can't say enough
1: good things about that Croatian team. I think uh, it was it was wonderful to watch them come from behind and beat England yeah. the other day. I got up for the game, even when they were down. I fully expected them to come out in the second half and make a goal of it. England got the early goal. Mm. I think... Another set-piece goal. This is something that England have done really well at this World Cup. I mean,
0: I think there's a lot to criticise England about um, at the World Cup in terms of how they've played. But one thing they have have really worked on is in terms of their preparation. They've been accused in the past of not having enough preparation. Like, that's why they always lose on penalties, yada, yada. This World Cup, you can see they're really trying to do different things Mm. and set pieces. They've clearly worked on them. It's paying off for them. Yeah, like, it's kind of a little bit at the detriment, maybe, of their overall, not the detriment, but it's masking, I think, the, mm. the deficiencies in their overall game. But, you know, I guess if you're going to keep on scoring goals from set pieces, then you're going to keep on...
1: Yeah, that's football is about scoring goals at the end mm. of the day. But well, yeah. pretty much every time they went ahead in this tournament, they sat back and they tried to make it very difficult for teams mm. to create chances. Mm. And so all of those games were a bit tedious to watch, the Columbia match, the Sweden game. The first half of this match... But then quality told in the second half where you had Modric just take control of midfield. The thing with Croatia that I think is a defining characteristic is every single player, even their wingers and fullbacks, are so good in the air. Mm. So any 50-50 ball they're challenging for in the air, they are more likely to win it. And they've got these technically brilliant players in central midfield. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, the Croatian team
0: in the air, and you pointed out pointed it out to me before the game, so I was really watching it, and, yeah, you could just see a, um, an aspect of their game it is. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I was just astounded by in this game was the sheer football technique that the Croatians possess from every single player. Like, yeah. Um, when they're defending, they take the ball under control in, in a really tight space, and they will play it out. They, they show no fear in... In that they have complete confidence in their in their capability to play football mm. from every single player and they'll play it out like you say they they do play a heavily crossing style of football which is kind of maybe a little bit inefficient um, inefficient and a little bit old school mm. but they're actually really good at it and yeah. i do think i do think it could be a way to get at france because france it's an it's actually an unusual style of football right mm. to be to be able to, to be so good at football, right? First of all, right, that mm. technically they're all they're actually all excellent footballers. But then to use this crossing tactic into Mandzukic and and you know Kramaric and and you know uh, you have Perisic coming
1: in as well. Like such a good player. Oh, hey. he he actually had a slow start to work to this World Cup. Mm. But he was one of the reasons, if you remember, at the start of. This yeah. World Cup, yeah, I predicted Croatia as yeah. my dark horse. You predicted Belgium as yeah. your dark horse. And they've For both shores. done very well. Yeah. Um, you know, Croatia may not win the World Cup. I wasn't expecting it to win it. But I think that's a pretty yeah. good predictions from yeah, a, yeah. both. But I was just yep. basing it on players like Perisic. I, I remember at the last Euros, he was brilliant. And I thought, wow, what a player. Yeah. And he had a bit of a slow start in this tournament. But he's come into it, and he was involved in both the goals mm. against England. Mm. Um, he set up the second one for Mandzukic, and he scored the first. Uh, mm. And, yeah, he's, he's a winger who's very skillful, but he's so good in the air. He's tall, mm. and mm. he just wins everything in the air. Mm. But, I, I mean, I, I was really surprised that England were favourites for this game. I mean, I had yeah. watched them both Is it, quite a bit. And, yeah. I like, think for me, like, I had...
0: Picked England for for this just yeah and, and it was purely yeah. based on the like I just could not believe that Croatia could do mm-hmm. it again. They've played 120 minutes in the last two games. They Modric had, was knackered after the rushing game. He was, and and they had less recovery time as well. Like mm-hmm. compared, they had a day less recovery time compared to the English. The English are younger. They should have been
1: fitter. But maybe what? experience told you know Croatia were a bit older. The other thing was Versalico was injured, and there was. They were saying he wasn't going to play, and you mm. could see that he he did play, but he was clearly unfit because in the first half, he was those crosses weren't working. I think I counted five or six times when mm. he put cross into the box, and it just didn't go near equation player. In the start of the second half, those fullbacks pushed up a little further, and finally, he got a cross onto mm. the head of uh, Perisic, that, mm. Mm. that ended up in a goal. Well, um, the, the foot, was not it? Oh, yeah, the yeah, foot. But yeah. Because there was a bit of a... controversy oh, yeah, on Twitter, blah, 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 blah. high fort, blah blah blah. Yeah, and this okay, this on. is the saturation of the of English media and all this. Com- it's coming home mm. has been a bit tedious as well. Yeah, I'm, um, I, I mean, look, I've got loads of English friends, right, and I, I love
0: them all dearly, but I think they maybe don't quite see this from other people's point of view on this that you know like uh, I, I've actually had quite a few debates now about with people about they're, they're telling me oh you don't get it it's coming home it's ironic you know we're actually self-deprecating blah 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 and yeah I, obviously I can see that that kind of is but you know we when you repeat the same joke a billion times Ken Early actually wrote a great article about this in the Irish does he in the irish independent or the irish times Can't remember. anyway check that out mm. he he describes a brilliant it's a brilliant article actually just that you know it does eventually it does eventually lose its power of irony and so on when you say it a billion times and it's then translate or oh, not translated but you know it's spread around the world and it loses as it spreads it, it condenses and it loses all of that nuance So the Croatians were coming out and they were saying that that was their motivating force. And this is what a lot of English people have been saying. Why were they so
1: motivated by
0: that? We didn't mean it that way. We meant it it was ironic. Mm. We never meant that it was coming home. We weren't trying to be arrogant.
1: Yeah, so there was... Yeah, but, you know... There was a press conference before the match and there were some journalists putting questions to Dan Lovren. Mm. And they were saying, you know, how do you think you're going to deal with Harry Kane considering he scored so many goals against you in the Tottenham against Liverpool Yay. game and he didn't like the you know this kind of inquiry and you know a lot of English journalists are famous for that kind of thing like they, they seem to be suggesting yeah. that look you know this uh, will look, be an easy day for Kane c-
0: Can I just jump in there for a second just in defence of Lovren right in, like I'm a Tottenham fan and I loved it when Tottenham hammered Liverpool in that game right and Lovren came in for an extraordinary amount of criticism mm. He was then hung out to dry by his manager, who brought him off. But it wasn't actually, I'm going to say this now, it wasn't Lovren's fault for those goals. It was his fellow defenders who put him in desperate position, uh, so he had no covering. He, yeah. he was trying to do the work of two men, and he couldn't do it. It yeah. was a, an awkward bounce of the ball, and yet Kane went through, and he scored a fantastic goal. Right? Yeah. It wasn't all Lovren's fault, and yet the whole narrative after that became... Lovren has had the worst game ever seen by a defender in the in the history of English football yeah. well did you actually watch it he didn't
1: Anyway, you know, this, this was no becoming a bit great. No wonder they were motivated, though, the Croatians. Yeah, because, so, yeah, they, so they, they, they really felt like this pressure. But maybe there was a little bit not being native English speakers. Maybe they misunderstood that a little bit. It's coming home to be a kind of arrogance.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you have to put it in that wider context. I mean, for people outside of England, one of the unfortunate but true things about English football and English national team Right, is that it is associated with right-wing nationalism, violent right-wing nationalism. Right, now that, that has thankfully in this World Cup not really reared its ugly head. Now, that could be as much to do with the Russian uh, police. <laughs> yeah, they, I think people not as think, many English fans travelled to the not school, as many but... English fans travelled. Like they knew that like that they the hooligans, small minority of, of English fans knew that they would find it very difficult and i think authorities have done a lot of work on it on trying to rip that out of the game mm. but that is that is part of the context for everybody else's outside of england understanding of english football where everybody is afraid like they're waiting for the. English hooligans
1: to, to go and cause a riot in some town like they did in the Amsterdam not a riot but there was scenes in the friendly in the Netherlands before the World Cup yeah, the, the Euros you know in France
0: it. when they had running battles with the Russians I mean like um, it happens at every every major every major championship that, uh, that, that England are in um, it happens at Friendlies like you said Lansdowne Road in 1995 they you know caused the game to be abandoned it's pervasive Uh, with a minority of people. Mm. We'll keep on stating that, but it is part of the context for people outside of England. So when when you see It's Coming Home, you associate that with nationalism, part of it. So,
1: yeah, it's Mm. kind of a different experience for people outside of England. I mean, that's another issue, I think, to the point I was getting at before, which was that when you follow... Football, when you follow Twitter, when you Mm. follow podcasts in the English language, the vast Mm. majority of them are through an English filter. Through, yeah, through the filter of Mm. someone English. And so we get exposed to a lot of this unrealistic hype. Around the England team, um, and it's a bit annoying. So on ITV I think Roy Keane is one of the panelists. Personally, I'm not a big fan of Roy Keane. I think he's really entertaining, and you know, sometimes he's he's right. I think he can a bit of a bully at times. He's belligerent. Yeah, yeah. I I thought what he said on that panel was spot on, like from uh, a football sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, so he he just said on national TV, you're all to the other panelists who were English. You know, you're all getting so excited about the English team, not thinking about the semi-final, you're already thinking about the final, mm, you know, exactly. you're not even through the semi-final. Yet. Yeah. So I thought that was spot on. Yeah. Okay, so tell France, Croatia, who's going to win? It's
0: a, it's a tricky one. I mean, France are definitely the favourites, the big billion-dollar team up against the tiny, smallest nation of Croatia. All logic dictates that France should win this. They have played very solid football, the, the sort of football that wins your tournaments.
1: Mm, I don't know so, if I'd agree with that. So I think they've been really average, actually.
0: Yeah, but they just look like they can keep on stepping up. They, they,
1: they don't. They haven't been in trouble at any point, you know what I mean? I don't so. think they're a great team at all. Sure, they have some great players, but I think Croatia have played like a very good team in this tournament. don't think France have... And I don't rate their coach. I don't think they've really had a testing game. Like, it, it was dis- a bit disappointing that Belgium never really put them under pressure mm. for long periods. I, I think, they've,
0: think... They've, they've, they've definitely had more testing games than Croatia have had so far. I mean, Croatia have struggled against teams of lesser quality than France have played. They played against Uruguay, okay, Uruguay without Cavani. Again, but Uruguay didn't, had...
1: didn't impress in that game.
0: Yeah, but Uruguay were a, a tougher opponent than Russia. Um, they played against Belgium, Belgium were a tougher opponent than England. I think they've they've had to do more to get there, and I think they haven't I think they have more to give. That's all I'm saying really. I mean I, I hear what you're saying. So Croatia have been obviously underdog come good. Um, they played probably their best football in the first game and in the last game, against Argentina and then against England. In between, they played well. Uh, they, they knocked off their bogey team in
1: Iceland. Uh, but yeah. I just think if France wins this World Cup, it would be probably the most undeserving World Cup victory in history. I I can't think of another case in point where a team that was so average. Uh, I mean, a-
0: average in how and what sense? In, in the, I mean,
1: just in every game they've played they haven't mm. particularly looked like a dominant team mm. maybe against argentina they had that moments in against argentina where they were just outrageously good but, but yeah. like that I, I game don't think against australia for example yeah. it was an even game and you were talking about australia here mm. they've done enough every time though they've done it enough but it hasn't been That's, they it hasn't play. been attractive to watch it hasn't yeah we're not talking about whether it's attractive you're talking about whether they're going to win they've won won the games yeah but for example italy probably were a similar team in 2006 but they actually deserved to, to win that world cup i thought like they deserve to beat germany the, this in, is the thing the semis- like,
0: this french team is playing in an italian way they're doing just enough they'll get the goal they'll and then they'll kill the game
1: i i think it's uh, noticeable because they have such great talent in their team mm. and they're not utilizing them mm. it's just i i can't think time where i Really didn't want uh, a team to win in the final as much mm. as
0: this. All right. I don't feel quite that strongly, I don't think, but I do. I absolutely do want Croatia to win, a nation of four million, uh, mm. the smallest smallest nation since Uruguay in 1950 to be in the final. But actually, one thing I don't think we've even really touched on about the Croatia. Just how are they actually here? Like, if you look at um, over the last few years at the international level. We have seen countries outperforming, but generally they've had uh, national programs behind them. So, you know, when Iceland outperformed. Mm. Belgium. Same. Belgium outperformed. You know, and what they've done is they've put in these national programs to mm. improve the, the game from the ground up. Croatia has not done anything like that. If, if anything, they are in complete disarray at a, at a football organisation level. Yeah, they, they have just, they just have
1: brilliant natural footballers. Uh, That's right. Brilliant
0: yeah, um, anyway, strong, Zagreb is
1: about the only thing that they have going for them. Strong footballing culture, people just live for football there. Yeah,
0: and they've yeah. just got a generation that plays together really
1: well. Oh yeah, and, but they consistently but, every generation produces these players of the highest quality. I mean, the yeah. last generation it was Suka and Przednički, and now it's yeah, you know Modrić and Mandžukić.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just the, the number of really good footballers playing at top clubs mm. from that little nation yeah it's not just croatia it is that area they're the former yugoslavia they just keep on producing naturally gifted amazing footballers
1: mm. i'm gonna go with croatia i've got money on them so france so, are the favorites yeah um, i've got money on croatia too i would totally prefer uh, croatia win but france are clear favorites i i think it's maybe a bit surprising that they're such clear favorites because i think as I said, I don't think they have particularly impressed in this tournament. It comes down to Kante versus Modric for me. It's a similar team to the 2016 European Championships when France beat Germany in the semis. They ended up losing at home to Portugal when no one expected that. Can that happen again? I think it can. Mm. I think this Croatia team is a lot better than that Portugal team. But I guess we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see
0: on mm. Sunday night. You're offering your final... Prediction?
1: I Look, okay, I'll go with Croatia as well. I've picked him as my dark horse for this tournament. And, but I'll say on penalties after a one on draw. Mm, interesting. Which would make them have to get through. It would be the third penalty shootout they've got through.
0: Third penalty shootout, yeah, yeah, but the fourth
1: extra time. By the way, can I just... One note I want to talk about is Peter Drury. Is he the worst commentator of all time? It uh, goes without saying that... Yes, he is. Actually,
0: in that last game, the uh, Croatia England game, I after twenty minutes of watching him, I spent ten minutes trying to work out how I could get SPS going because
1: I just had had absolutely enough of that man. I couldn't,
0: I, I couldn't I, bear to listen. To I him turned down the minute.
1: volume at the start because yeah. he commentated on the England port, uh, columbia game. Anyway, if you don't know what it's like, just check him out. He is overly, fakely emotive. And it's mm. incredibly annoying. So mm. when the, uh, penalty sh- when it went to penalties between England and Colombia, he actually said, Penalties! 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 All of his commentary is just full of ridiculously emotive metaphors and cliches. I never want to hear the man again. No. Let's go, SBS. Especially when England are playing, it's even worse, so, because he's yeah. so biased. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter at, at intfootpodcast, and you can join our Facebook page, the International Football Podcast. Yeah. Uh, give us some feedback. Give us tell some us, feedback. Tell us what you think.
0: Let us know you what think? you
1: think about our opinions. For now, it's uh, over and out from myself, Eamon. And me,